0: FM WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight, Jeff
1: Shannon. Good morning and welcome to Sumner County Spotlight. It is I, Jeff Shannon, and we're going to have another Sumner County Spotlight for you. We're going to take a little different direction here. And I've been really impressed with this young lady right here. And when I saw everything that she was doing, I said, you know, we got to talk about this. And you you live right here in Hendersonville. Yep. And we're going to talk to Melody Watson right here. And Melody, thanks for coming in. I know you've been busy, you've been training, doing Thank some you. great things.
2: Absolutely. I was actually at the gym this morning <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> before it, we came in.
1: You kind of live there.
2: Yeah, kind of. It, it's like I wake up up at five o'clock in the morning I go down I train I'm usually done around 830. Then I go to Planet Fitness with mom and we walk on the treadmill and then I go to work and then I start it all over again. They
1: do it all over. Yep. Now you have your own gym, right?
2: It's not my personal gym, right. but it is a training facility okay. in Mount Juliet. All right. Uh, it's the Ogre Compound. It's Wade Johnson's gym and he is an incredible coach, uh, a <laughs> world champion. There's several world champions in that particular gym. It just really eliminates a lot of the stress of competing. Sure.
1: Absolutely. Now you're doing power lifting yes, not not necessarily bodybuilding. Correct. It does build your body. It does, but not in that not physique Correct. kind of model. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, it's a lot different. It's there. You train different. You eat different. You're training very consistently every single day, but it's just totally different. It's a lot heavier weight. Well, you're bodybuilding. It's a lot of it, you are lifting heavy weight, but, but it's you're fine
1: tuning little
2: muscles. Yeah, it's there's very specific things that you do when you're bodybuilding yeah. but yeah i love powerlifting. you do different lifts you have your, okay. your squat your bench your deadlift and i am a three-time world champion in the bench press i have a tennessee yo, state yo. record wow and i'm going for the national record coming up soon hopefully <laughs> <laughs> we're working on it and uh we're currently training for a few more world championships and the olympia
1: well there's nothing wrong with that yeah yeah i mean that's that so how did all this get started with you
2: I think it probably started back when I was doing karate. Because you're doing push-ups and sit-ups and all of that. And it's mm-hmm. a lot of fl- very physically demanding. So I'm a second-degree black belt in Waterloo, trained in taekwondo and boxing. I played college softball at Vol State. And then I was bodybuilding there for a little while. I did women's physique. Much better powerlifter than a bodybuilder <laughs> because it's just a lot more fun. And it's, your body is built for different things. Sure. So yeah. my particular body is better at powerlifting. And apparently it works. <laughs> so <laughs> just happened to... Go in that particular direction.
1: Well, it, you know, it's it's interesting because some people find their niche. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like people go and work out, and they've they they pump and they do this kind of stuff. Yeah. But when you get serious about it, it takes it to a whole different level. Absolutely, especially mentally.
2: Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
1: you got that all this weight in front of you. If you're deadlifting that, mm-hmm. you, you you got to tell the brain what to do here that's
2: one of the hardest parts actually (laughs) you wouldn't think it would be because you would think you would consciously be aware of how strong you are but sometimes you're just sitting there staring at the weight and you're like it looks heavy it looks heavier than it is and sometimes it feels really heavy in your hands and you're like how am I getting ready to do it and then you do it for six reps and you're just like this weight is directly over my head <laughs> if I drop it, I'm going to die.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And But you, you know what? The one thing I sense from you, mm-hmm. you're not going to take no. Correct. You, it's not going to stop you. If those weights are talking back to you and mm-hmm. saying, you can't lift me, right. you're saying, "Sucker, I'm coming after you."
2: Definitely. Yeah. Um that's the only way to get better cuz like you have people spotting you. You're not going to die. <laughs> You Well, I mean, you might if there's people that don't know how to spot. But yeah, yeah. these people are very good. They know how to do their job. You're, you're going to be safe. And that's the thing I like about where I'm training right now with Wade. It's safe. Yeah. And I don't have any injuries at all. Good. Like, I have no shoulder problems, no neck problems, no knee problems. I'm For all of the sports that I've done that should have caused me problems, I have absolutely no physical problems. No torn
1: biceps? <laughs> or- no, I've mm. never...
2: Well, I think it has to do a lot to do with doing it safely and not exactly. lifting with your ego. And right. that's a lot of what you see in like regular gyms. And mm-hmm. that's a lot of what people make fun of online is incorrectly they're, lifting weights.
1: They're looking at themselves in the mirror.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. At least you're doing something. Mm-hmm. But that's how you get hurt at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I have an actual Excel sheet that my coach... Uh, writes out for me for every single day. It's all planned out ahead of time. So I know exactly. It's done with science. What I do, I should always be able to do every single time safely. Mm -hmm. And the, the form... That I do it in is extremely important. Like with the bench, a lot of people don't understand why you do the arch in your back. They're like, "Why? That's got to be bad for your back." What people don't understand is your shoulder range of motion. It doesn't make a shorter distance when you're benching it. Yeah, sure, but you're actually you're not necessarily touching the highest spot. Mm-hmm like so your range of motion naturally when your shoulder when you you have your arms down is that's your natural shoulder range of motion sure. so naturally the safest position when you're benching is in that range of motion so it's actually safer on your shoulders when you do that arch mm-hmm. it's actually not hurting your back <laughs> right because you're not having any weight on your back so that's where people kind of get confused it's actually a lot safer than just a traditional flat bench
1: sure so run down just uh pick up pick this morning for mm-hmm. instance so, you, you got up, mm-hmm. so you get up early. Yes. I'm just, I'm up early anyway, right. all the time. Anyway, so you're a morning person. Mm-hmm. You load up before you go in?
2: So, what I do is I put two scoops of protein in <laughs> espresso with some oat milk, shake it up, drink half of it on the way there, okay. and kind of sip on it all throughout the workout. And finish it up at, right afterwards, and then go eat something.
1: So when you get in the gym, what's what are the, just walk them through that pr- procedure? You got to you know shake hands, kiss babies, all that kind of thing. And oh, then, we have
2: dogs at the gym. Oh, dog.
1: Well, there you go. Well, that oh. take up your whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Getting like it's hard
2: to have it, it's hard to be in a bad mood in the morning when you walk in and there's five dogs barking and wagging their tails and excited to see you because they get used to seeing you too. And it's like sure. even though it's not your dogs, they're happy to see you and yeah. they miss you if you're not
3: there.
2: <laughs> and it's kind of cool. And everybody there is totally awesome. we have really cool people we have people in law enforcement military all all over the place and everybody is there for a reason we got moms we've got just a lot of different different people from different walks of life sure and but the thing is every there's everybody there is there for a reason and they're competing at a high level it's not just like a regular gym this is he runs this out of his basement Okay. So it's a, it's very intense, but like a good kind of intense.
1: So what is the kind of first thing? Obviously you got to warm up and Mm -hmm. stretch and do all that good stuff.
2: Yeah. I just do like a lot of reps with really lightweight. So like say on bench press, Mm -hmm. I'll just do the bar for like 10 or 20 and then Mm -hmm. slowly work up. Okay. And then eventually you're just getting down to like, sometimes it's three reps. Sometimes it's one rep. And then you're lifting some heavy weight. It's not always your max every time. Sure. But um, it gets pretty heavy. And mm-hmm. there's different kinds of bars and there's different kinds of equipment that you do just to like, throw off your stability. Because when you get into an actual competition, it's nerve-wracking. And so you want to be prepared for literally everything. When I was getting ready for the Olympia, I had never flown on a plane before. And I was absolutely terrified. Now,
1: you had to fly in Tim's. Yeah. His, his air. Aircraft.
2: So what happened was, is uh, one time we were flying and we ran out of gas while we were flying over a Will- Willie Nelson concert and had an emergency landing in the hayfield. And we were fine. The plane was fine. It was a little bit scary, but sure. I had just never flown in a commercial plane before. And I had seen a lot of things that had been going wrong, like they have lately. On I flew on Southwest. And yeah. It was actually fine. I was literally, when I got on the plane, I was in tears. And the guy next to me offered me his stress ball. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: <laughs> well, they sense that. They fly a lot. They, they know people are going to be stressed out.
2: Yeah. And it was okay. Mm-hmm. And so that the amount of stress going into things, you just have to prepare for everything prior. Right because the competition you can prepare for everything outside of the competition. Like you got regular life stuff going on too. Mm-hmm. If you do enough preparation for what happens when things go wrong, you're going to be a little bit more prepared for when things go right.
1: Sure. And you can use that in just general life as well. Yeah,
3: absolutely. You know, you know
1: every day is not going to be the best day of your life. No. You're going to have pitfalls. You're going to have downfalls. You're going to have negativity. Absolutely. You, you're going to have all kinds of stress happen in your life. But I think working out and, and, mm-hmm bodybuilding or any of that that takes your mind and t- take your body kind of relieve some of that stress mode mm-hmm. it helps to fight that off definitely you know? plus it's a, it's a great therapy when you're in there you forget all that stuff outside because you have to concentrate where you're at right now
2: oh yeah you know? absolutely like i'm a happy lifter like if i'm ha- the happier i am the better i'm doing so like a lot of people are like, Oh, think of something that makes you mad and I'm like, I can't do that because I won't lift as good. Yeah. I, it's a positive mindset for me.
1: Now, do you have certain days that maybe you're gonna go heavy? Yes. So you're trained, train, trained, train, and we're going okay, um Wednesday we're gonna do a heavy day.
2: Yeah. It, so yeah. it's more like there are training cycles. Like in my program, it's already planned out what day am I gonna do what? Okay. And so last week I was deadlifting, I think what, one fifteen? Kilograms. I don't know what that is. No, no,
1: I can't follow that.
2: (laughs) I just know what it is in kilograms. But in this week, it was eighty-five kilograms. So it's different. So each week's a little bit different, and it's strategic in how it makes you stronger.
1: Sure. No, absolutely. Now, uh, while you were talking, I said, Mm -hmm. "Well, you know what? I think that some of the things that you would come in when you're going in the gym to practice this and lift. What are some of the routines you're going to use?" deadlift, bench press, mm-hmm. what else would you be doing?
2: So you' you're squat, bench, deadlift. Okay. Those are the three main lifts of powerlifting. Now, I actually, when I'm doing bench, I have two separate bench days. One day I'm doing flat bench. The other day I'm doing decline because there's just different – it's like an accessory type of thing. So there are different types of exercises that will actually help with a specific lift. So like on bench day, I do flat bench – I do the buffalo bar, which is a curved bar, Mm -hmm. and I bench with that, and I do the slingshot, which is this little, it's like a rubber band that connects to your arms, Mm -hmm. and it makes you touch lower. So, it's like a resistance type of thing. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I do that, and then I'll do some accessory work. I'll do some hammer curls uh, for biceps, I'll do uh, rear delts, I'll do a row. The row thing. The rowing, yeah, yeah. The row. I, I like
1: the row actually. Yeah, yeah. it
2: actually, it's definitely uh, it's helped my bench a lot because. But you have
1: to use right form. I've seen some Absolutely. people trying to do row and lifts and things, like, and they're either they're yanking, they're slamming it, they're not keeping their their elbows tucked in, mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing. Form I think is is essential, Absolutely. and you got to learn that, and because you you look at some people and you go, dude. That's not working. (laughs)
2: Right, for sure. People, a lot of people don't really understand it's the negative that builds the most muscle. So you have the positive motion, you have the negative motion. Mm -hmm. So for an example, on a curl. So you would think when you come up, that's the part that's building the muscle, right? Mm. But it's actually the going down part. Mm -hmm. When you're going down, you want to go down slow and in control. It's like the up part is important, but it's mainly the, the opposite reaction. Because that's where you're actually tearing the muscle fibers, creating the most tension. But you want to do it correctly.
1: Right. Yeah. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, that's very important, and especially when you get to the level you are. Mm-hmm. You have to do that because you can't afford any injuries. No. You know what I'm saying? Hey, we're talking to Melody Watson right now, and she is a power lifter. That would be your correct title? Yes. Power lifter. That's, that means strong, folks. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're going to continue talking with Melody right after this with more. Of Sumner County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program heard each and every Sunday right here on WHIN, or you can listen on our podcast page at whinradio.com. If you'd like to become a sponsor of this program, reach out to me, Jeff Shannon, at jeff at whinradio.com. We are back with the Sumter County Spotlight for this Sunday morning. Hey, don't forget, it's going to be on our podcast page at whinradio.com. And you're going to want to listen to this. You might even learn something. You might be inspired. Maybe you want to become a bodybuilder or just get in shape. You've got, got to have the knowledge, though, and, and really have the passion to, to really do it. Because it's not an easy task. No, no, it's it's a lot, a lot of work, and you have to be dedicated to it
2: mm-hmm.
1: and really focused on it in order for it to work. Mm-hmm. You can't just walk around and do some twenty-five little curls or something and thinks you're, you're going to get a great body. It's right. a lot harder than that. So it is. But your routine is uh, pretty brutal, and mm-hmm. and more so than I guess, and physique modeling because you have to push a lot heavier weight. Mm-hmm. You're, I mean, you're you're really doing it.
2: Right. Yeah. My max on bench is 248 pounds right now. (laughs) Wow. So that's, that's what I did at the Olympia. I hadn't actually, that was the first time I'd ever done 248 pounds was at the Olympia. Hadn't ever done that in the gym or anything, but wanted to see what happened and it worked.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, when you go out to the Olympia, what, Mm -hmm. what does that involve? I mean, I know it's a lot of people out there, a lot, lot of strong people
2: a lot of strong people. A lot of people you've looked up to your entire life. One of my role models ever since I was bodybuilding back in 2013, the first time I, in my very first competition, I met Dana Lynn Bailey, and she is an incredible role model for people who want to be in shape. I watched her YouTube videos, followed The Flag nor Fail, and... <laughs> I was actually in line after I had competed, because you, you have to go through the whole meet, and then there's the award ceremony at the end of the day. I was in line to meet Dana Lynn Bailey again, and uh, they called my name for my medal, and I actually got to show her my medal wow. after I won it, because she was the first ever woman's physique Olympian. Wow. So it, she was like a big deal in the fitness industry.
1: Right. Now, when you say... The Olympia, uh-huh. like this. I mean, this is the top. This definitely. is definitely. Once you get there, I mean, you're the best of the best there. Oh, for sure. But that's a hard road. What did you have? To, how many wins did you have to do to qualify to go to Olympia?
2: So there's a qualifying total that you have to get. So I don't remember what my qualifying total was to get to that point mm-hmm. because it was a lot higher than it needed to be. But I, at that point, I already had three world titles. So I have wow. two SPF world yes, two SPF World titles, one IPL world title. I was competing against people from Germany and Poland and Egypt. It was crazy. those people from all over the world. And that was the first time I had ever competed. There was that many people from everywhere. And when I was warming up, when I started realizing that people were not speaking the same language, <laughs> and I was like, hey, are you still on that? And they had no idea what I said. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is wild. Okay, cool.
1: Now is is this the Joe Weeder thing is is yes. he doing this? Yeah. yes, He's been around Weider. a long time. Oh, yeah, I mean, for this guy sure. he he knows what he's doing, but
2: Yes. So it's Joe Weeder's Olympia and there's several different sports in the Olympia that I was not aware of. strong strongman, there's straight curl, there was bare knuckle boxing, obviously bo- bodybuilding and powerlifting. And then there's like vendors from all over the world. There is all of the stars that you've seen in bodybuilding powerlifting. I walked past Ronnie Coleman, and I just out walking around. I was getting ready to go get something to eat, and there's Ronnie Coleman. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's it's amazing, especially in the in powerlifting, Mm -hmm. how big these dudes get. Yeah, they. I mean, you're you're throwing some serious weight around at that level, but I mean, just to see the the sheer size of them, you don't appreciate it till you're next to them, and it's like, whoa. (laughs) Oh, for
2: sure. I was standing next to some of those strong men. And they were like seven feet tall and I'm four nine and I was like, This looks like it would be a meme. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really cool though, because it was like just a lot of people that it doesn't necessarily it doesn't feel real. Mm -hmm. It's like, this seems like something that I've wanted to do. This is something I've wanted to do my entire life. And now I'm actually here. Wow.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, it all started right here in Hendersonville because you grew up here in Mm Hendersonville. You you did homeschooling, I guess, for a while. Then you went to Hendersonville High School. I was impressed. You did a lot of different sports, though. Definitely. And softball was one of them.
2: It was. It was. So I played softball for uh, Hendersonville High School uh, with Coach Griffin and Coach Serbin. And that was really cool. We actually, sometimes we trained with the football team. And that's probably where I started lifting weights first. Okay. And that would make sense. Yeah. yeah we yeah. we had we were in the weight room in there. And it was pretty cool because it kind of felt like you had superpowers <laughs> because you just get stronger and stronger. And you're like, yeah. hey, yeah. this is kind of cool. Yeah. So I would say that's probably where it started, and then it just took off from there.
1: Yeah, he just kind of built, and he got on travel teams, mm-hmm. and oh, that's a whole different level right there. But, oh yeah, and I bet the the folks loved taking you all these different places.
2: <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we were somewhere every single weekend, and we went all over the place. Like even with softball, we were traveling all over the country. Uh, we. Did stuff in Panama City, Gatlinburg, all over the place. And then once I started playing in college, played over at Vol State over in Gallatin. And it was it was a lot of fun.
1: Do you have like a regular job?
2: Yeah. I work for Ideal Image as a lead resource consultant. Okay. It's just a work from home job and it's not physically demanding. That way I have the energy to do all the other things that there are physically demanding. Sure.
1: No, that's that's great. you got to focus on priorities. You yeah. Know? You have a musical family. I do. If you didn't realize it, her her dad is Tim Watson. And TJ yep. is your brother. He is. And I, I asked you this, and I thought it was quite funny, which I already knew the answer. I, said, right? I know you had to whoop up on TJ a little bit. There was a, every there was day.
2: A, <laughs> there was a good bit of fighting going on because we were both in karate, actually. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, so be... that probably didn't help any. Yeah. No, that
1: would be, that'd be awesome. You've had a, a fun life.
2: Yeah, I definitely. Mean,
1: wow. I mean, just be, being around Tim is a, a hoot, anyway.
2: It definitely grew up a little bit different than normal. <laughs>
1: You are working so hard and doing this. When is the next Olympia?
2: Uh, I think it's the first week of November, and it's going to be in Orlando this wow,
1: year. Wow. Okay. Are you? You think you're going to be at that? Definitely. Okay. So you know what's what place you have to be next, right?
2: Uh, The top, number one.
1: (laughs) Now, after seeing what you did in Vegas, Uh what have you identified as what you really need to work on that's going to take you to the next level?
2: My mentality. So the (laughs) most difficult part of it is keeping your mind in the right place. Things just go on in life. You can't let it affect what you're doing physically. So like when I'm getting ready for a competition, I get stressed all the way out. Mm -hmm. So when I was actually, the world championship in Orange Beach, I thought I was going to pass out because I was getting so nervous. And my coach was literally, sit. (laughs) (laughs) And it really helped because having a coach there helps keep your mind straight. Yeah, Because your mind is going to take you all over the place. Mm -hmm. I actually met my coach at Nationals in Las Vegas. Now, Nationals, up until then, I didn't have a coach. I actually met him there, and I had some stuff going on and actually bombed out of Nationals. So I I lifted the weight, but I did it incorrectly, and okay. you have to lift on commands. So you have a start command, you have a bench command, you have a rack command. And I just didn't hit my commands. I put the weight up. So I got with my coach. He believed in me, and I've been training ever since then. He's aware of what's going on in my head and just fixes it. Just well, that's, uh,
1: that's, that's how good coaches are. Yeah, you for know? sure. When you kind of train yourself, mm-hmm. it, you know, not knowing everything that a coach does mm-hmm. can really kind of keep you from gaining to where you need to be. So yeah. having this person there, it really does help you. It does. And could make things a lot better and, you know, have better results. And that's really the key.
2: Definitely. You know? What
1: advice would you have for other young ladies coming up and wanting to get into this this field.
2: So when you first start lifting, a lot of people do it with a negative connotation to it. Is a lot of people hate the way they look, and that's why they're working out. I think it's more about loving the way you look and enhancing upon that because mm-hmm. you're only going to look like what you're going to look like. Right. You're not going to look like somebody else no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. So instead of just like hating the way you want to hating the way you look, go into it with a positive mentality. Mm-hmm. You're becoming stronger. You're becoming healthier. And it's better for your mind. Sure. Just go, don't go in there because you hate yourself.
1: And it's not gonna happen overnight. It's I mean, not you have to work it. You gotta you're gonna start getting stronger. You're gonna start looking at yourself, you're gonna see a difference. Uh-huh. And that I think that really helps. Once they start seeing a change, right, then that inspires them to go yeah. further. Do it know? because
2: you love yourself. Exactly. Like my favorite part about it is feeling like I have superpowers. Because I've been doing this for so long and it's so easy to get down on yourself. But when you're doing these things over and over again, you always have this thing that you can come back to. Mm -hmm. So like for the the gym's going to be there all the time. It's really good for your mind. It's good for your body. And if you have something going on, it can erase all of that. Because it's really hard to think about all the bad things going on when you're doing good things.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. and But it is something you have to stick with. Definitely. I mean, some people, they, they get frustrated because they didn't see the results fast enough. Right. It's, it's not going to happen that fast. No,
2: it's not going to happen that fast. <laughs> I mean, you can fast.
1: load up with supplements and proteins and all of this yeah. you know, this stuff, but you still have to put the work in. Definitely. And, and work the body.
2: Definitely. I think that well, a lot of the people that do things on the this type of level, they're very passionate. It could be they have a lot of different things going on.
1: Well, you know, I think when you're when you're competing, yes, okay, and and you're really you're you're not really competing against somebody else. No, you're I there can't. for yourself, and you do the best you can. Yeah, and if the judges say, wow, then. There you go. But I think all these people are, are working on that positive mm-hmm. vision of themselves. Right. And they're they're succeeding. Yes. And you're goal-oriented. You set a goal to what you want to do, and you work for that goal. And, you know, if, if it gets to where you go. If not, you back up and punt, regroup, and start over.
2: And it's really satisfying to see the work pay off.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs>
2: Even though it, does, it is slow. Like, my deadlift and my squat are not my best lifts. They never really have been. My bench is my best lift just because of my body shape. I am squatting and deadlifting more than I ever have in my entire life.
1: And that's some hard stuff. Right it here.
2: is very <laughs> hard. And it's physically hard on your body. So like recovery is super important. Like people don't prioritize sleep. They don't prioritize like reducing stress. And it's so important on muscles and recovery. Like I take an Epsom salt bath. I go down to Planet Fitness just for the massage chairs. Yeah, <laughs> Like it's so nice, important yeah. to take care of yourself, not just, it's more than working out and it's more than dieting. It's all of the other factors that go into it too. You got to make sure your sleep's right because you, if your sleep's not right, you're not going to perform.
1: What's next for Melody?
2: More world titles, winning the Olympia. And we're actually starting to work with a bench shirt, which is the equipped class, which is a little bit different. And it's really exciting because you can do some crazy things in a bench shirt. And I'm really excited because I think I can break some records.
1: So are there any monetary awards that are given? There is. Are there, there cash? If you win the you know, the Olympia, mm-hmm. are there, there cash uh, awards on that? Yeah, for sure. Okay.
2: Yeah, there's actually a pro series so you can go professional in powerlifting. That's probably the next step is okay. going professional. Um, you get uh, sponsorships, there's stipends, you work with companies. That's the cool part. And so I work with a couple companies a little bit, just like some brand ambassador type of stuff. Mm-hmm. I would do some stuff with BPI and contraband and bear grips. Like if somebody clicks on a link, they you get a commission. Mm-hmm. But we're looking to do that on a bigger scale next. So
1: are you at any uh, doing social media at
2: all? A little bit, yeah. yeah. I have an Instagram, Music City Melody, make it simple. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I do that. I post a lot of workout videos, just some simple lifts, a lot, just a lot of positive stuff.
1: So if somebody had a, a question, maybe some advice, mm-hmm. how would they get a hold of you?
2: Just message me. Okay. I mean, just go on
1: Instagram? Yeah, and...
2: totally. I Sometimes I don't check. Sometimes <laughs> I do. I should be better at it.
1: <laughs> well, you know, you are a little busy there. So.
2: I, yeah. Hmm. I, I do a lot of missing a lot of messages that I shouldn't be missing. <laughs> but I do go back and check and I usually just respond all at once.
1: So what's your next competition?
2: I haven't scheduled it quite just yet. We're working through a training cycle right now. Okay. Some weird stuff happened with the federations and looking at what that, that what's next up with the federations and then booking the competitions? So, wow. probably something around April okay. is probably going to be next. Definitely doing the Olympia, definitely doing the IPL Worlds. Probably should do nationals before then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to look at how all that qualifies again, and that should be what's going on.
1: Wow. Well, you know what? I mean, it's been so impressive to talk to you because I think you could be such motivation for people uh, that are listening out there that say, you know, I think it's time mm-hmm. that I get my butt in gear and, you know, start making a change in myself. And, you know, I think if them contacting you, reaching out to you yeah. and, and watching you and following you and what you're doing is, is very impressive. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just keep doing what you're doing.
2: I'd say the hardest part that you can make yourself do if you're thinking about going to the gym, is getting in the car and driving there.
1: Getting started. Yeah. That's just, the hardest Just
2: part. drive there. Yeah. If you're not feeling it, just get in the car, drive there. And if you're still not feeling it, it is what it is.
1: Well, listen, man, I appreciate it. We've been talking with world champion. It has to be. Yeah, it's the world. Yeah. You know, uh, champion Melody Watson right here and uh, a professional power lifter. Well, just keep doing it. If you need to pick Tim up a couple of times, you know, throw him around a little bit.
2: Technically, yeah. I could bench my dad. That's,
1: that's funny. <laughs> That would be a great video. That would TikTok be. TikTok is coming. Look I, out.
2: <laughs> I have pushed my dad's uh, F-250 before, so. Oh, wow. <laughs> there, there is that.
1: Look at you. So Well, listen, Melody, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. And All right, so, all right. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program heard each and every Sunday right here on WHIN. Or you can listen on our podcast page at whinradio.com. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to become a sponsor of this program, reach out to me, Jeff Shannon, at jeff at com. Well, here we are with Sumner County Spotlight, continuing uh, another great guest. Well, actually, I have two guests in here, and the makeup artists were here. We did all the hair and makeup, but nobody can see them. But this is why I have a face for radio, because that would be scary <laughs> if you saw it on video. But uh, anyway, Sumner County Spotlight uh, really showcases some incredible people here in Sumner County. And uh, when I saw this story, I had to do it. So I called my good friend, Jeff Henschel. Now, he's communications director over at the city of Gallatin. This was like an incredible project, Jeff. And uh, But first, let's go ahead. We're going to talk about this, because we have Black History Month going on. We're getting ready to end it as this ends on this Sunday. So I want to give a little background background on that. Give them some background because you
0: are famous. Uh, well, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm more of a behind the scenes kind of guy. Really. Yeah. I, I try and prop up the people around me in city government that do a great job. And Velma is one of those people today. She's going to be talking about history. What I do for the city is basically just publicized a lot of the good things that are going on in the city. Some There's a lot of
1: those yeah so you stay
0: busy (laughs) and there's just being open you know streaming our our meetings boasting about things we've accomplished whether it's Parks and Rec or the police department Um, there's a lot going on in Gallatin um, just like Hendersonville and and all of Sumner County a lot of growth a lot of people who are upset about that and there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that people don't know about that we try and Mm -hmm. let them know about so as a communications director you work with the
1: mayor uh, quite a bit and you work with the Commission you're working with all of the departments and everything to spread that word because that's that's a major task because there's a lot going on over there so they send you the information and you you get the media on it and publicize and you do all the social media yourself
0: social media wow you're right we I think Galton, we get more than our fair share of uh, television that comes out and covers stories, mm-hmm. and, and there's our reason for that. We we do a lot of bragging and old-style press releases mm-hmm. and just let people know. And we did a press release on these banners, and and on the surface, they're just... You know, we're celebrating Black History Month. We've been doing that in Juneteenth um, just became a new holiday for the city of Galton. Mm-hmm. It's not new, but new that we celebrate it. I, I think that sets Galton apart a little bit. That, that I don't know. We're we're just we're not afraid. It's it's that grit in our slogan. We're not afraid to to do things that mm-hmm. other cities aren't doing. Mm-hmm. And celebrating Black History is one of those things.
1: And it's so important because when I saw this come on social media, I was just wow, what a great idea and. You're celebrating local folks right here so it has a tie here to sumner county to gallatin and i think it's just a, a phenomenal thing and
0: but can i throw one thing out sure there? just the other day and this is one of my friends that did this i was called woke for doing this right and do you know what woke means no Thelma? no it's interesting that you don't because I, I looked it up well the modern day definition is a little different than the old school definition which is in the 50s i found out Woke was an African-American term that was used to, as a meaning of alerting to racial prejudice and discrimination. What?
1: Isn't that interesting? It's used differently now. Now,
0: <laughs> it's not a term used like that at all. It's, it's like a hyperactive sense of, I don't know, how would you define it? It's, That's it's, woke. It's, right? Is, how,
1: do you, how would you use that in a sentence? That,
0: self-righteousness, maybe, or um, just trying to be better than everyone in some way oh. so that that definition of woke I think I, I took great offense to um <laughs> yeah. and so I wanted to be clear about this mm-hmm. it being and we were just talking about this I mean the mayor gave us the green light to do this yes and it was Velma yes. and I took took off with this sure but the very idea that we did this just to show how enlightened we are is not accurate. Is Correct. not accurate. I don't, I mean, the flip side of that is, I mean, Jeff, do you consider yourself a racist? I do not, no. Velma, do you consider yourself a racist? No. I do not consider myself a racist. I do think society has altered our perception of race over time. When I think of growing up in Memphis, Mm, oh, yeah. There's some real racial issues there. There is, yeah. There likely still is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think back to a lot of my friends were, were robbed. My car was broken into. I had a friend that was stabbed to death. All these things happened when I was young and didn't understand mm-hmm. race. I didn't think about it. We were skateboard kids running around. But for us, and we never talked, but there was an underlying fear at times for us. Yeah. Hopefully,
1: and we are making some change. Over the course of the years, uh, my wife and I uh, adopted three children from the foster care system uh, down in Florida, and two of them are, are mixed racial, and we've trying to figure out their their lineage because they were so young as babies. You know, trying to track the parents down and what they've. But we did the twenty three and Me, <laughs> where you get they tell you it's amazing the detail you can pull out of somebody. You know that they can dig up on your whole family and everything else, and know where you came from. Because I think a lot of kids in the in the foster care system, adoption system, want to know where am I from. You know, they want their identity and things like that. And it's sad that we're actually facing a lot of things that we are even today, which should not be. It's just not a place for it. With the uh, the exposure and honoring folks like you all are doing in downtown Gallatin, highlighting those individuals who have made an impact in this world and in Sumner County. I mean, it is commendable, and I, I I thank you for doing that. But what a, what a great month that we've had.
0: One thing I, I, I kind of left that thought in in the Esther. And I want to make sure you know. I, I finished that thought was, you know, I've I've lived a lot. I've lived and breathed a long time, and just going back to Juneteenth not too long ago, I, was, I covered that event for the mayor's office. I didn't have to. I volunteered, and so I talked with all the vendors, all the people who were face painting. A lot of families and music and some of the best barbecue I've ever had in my life was there, by the way. A fantastic barbecue. But, you know, it, it's like Captain Obvious. I walked away from that. As a kid, I'm not sure I felt welcome in my own city. But wow. in Gallatin at Juneteenth, I felt embraced. And I don't know if the times changed, but I think more so it's I've changed. And I think, you know, that, that kind of awareness is not something that just happens automatically. You have to go out and pursue that That enlightenment. So that's where I'm coming from. And I think of Velma. I was born in '68. Martin Luther King was killed in '68. The civil rights thing is kind of an abstract to me. It happened sort of before I I was alive, more or
3: less. But you were around.
0: You were living that, right? Very
3: much so. I and she's only 39.
0: I know. know. Born (laughs) about the same year, right? Oh, sure, sure.
3: (laughs) I lived through that time period. I was in college when college kids were marching every day. But on our campus, there was an administrative ruling that if we any of us participated, we would be expelled from college. So we had to weigh our self-interest against the interest of our people, the nation. So very few decided to go ahead and ignore the edict and participate. And, of course, I was trying to graduate in college in three years, so I did not participate. I stayed on campus, continued to pursue my coursework so that I could graduate college in three years. So I did not participate.
0: Do you regret that?
3: Yes. Yes. Yes, I have lived to regret it. (laughs) I do. (laughs) I I, loved,
0: I, have. I I hate that you regret it, but I love that you were, You think about that now, like, yeah, if I could only go back. Yeah,
3: there were so many things that I <laughs> could have done and should have done to help, and I didn't.
1: Yeah, and you've been really busy over the years. Now, some of your background, so you were in education yes. for a few years. Uh, yes. <laughs> so tell them about that. Where'd well, you start at?
3: I started at the time that I graduated college in three years. I had decided to stay on campus and pick up a minor in French, so I would be well-versed in the area. And of course, my the director of student teaching insisted <laughs> that I leave campus and go to work, because he had all kinds of requests for teachers on his desk, and he was trying to do his job, which was not in my best interest. I wanted to stay, decided at the last minute to stay an additional year and graduate with my class, but I let his will prevail, and I accepted a teaching job at Harris Junior College in Meridian, Mississippi, Mm -hmm. and I taught there for two years before I married Frank Brinkley from Gallatin. So, oh that frank guy you know. i know i know when i <laughs> married frank that ended my teaching career at harris junior college and i came to gallatin of course when i got here vol state was being talked about oh, it yeah. was coming and i got excited because i loved the junior college scene campus the maturity level of the students mm-hmm. and i decided I'll just take a job forever until the junior college is built. And, and that's what I did.
1: What year was that?
3: Oh, that was 67, wow. 67, 68. Isn't that,
1: isn't that amazing, Jeff? I mean, so it, I I, mean the, what history, just what she's seen through Vol State
0: all these years. And
1: the
3: first thing I just waited history, until Val State <laughs> and opened. Yeah. This
0: is kind of an odd thing to throw out there, but I was thinking about history the other day. We're not Egyptians. We don't think of th- things in terms of like thousands of years. This stuff, civil rights, happened within our lifetime. Th- times, yeah. right? Yeah, it seems Very much like so. it happened hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But there are people walking around. I mean, I was thinking about slavery too. Mm-hmm. Like, if you were a slave in the late eighteen hundreds and you made it to be a hundred years old and you had a son or daughter, potentially they were running around in the seventies. Going, my parent was a slave. I mean, I guess if you were around twenty at that time, mm-hmm. but our history isn't that old. And when you're talking about civil rights and these things that happened, it was just yesterday. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so the pains of, civil and that that brings me back to, people having a beef with Black history. Well, Black history. You know, why don't we have White history? Why we? Are we do. Why do we even call it Black <laughs> yeah. history? Yeah. We do have White history. Yes, but. Black history is American history. We're all American. Absolutely. Exactly,
3: and it did not occur in a vacuum. History is interspersed. We have American history, but unfortunately, black history was not recorded. Slaves did not know how to write nor read, so they could not read and write what was occurring but it was interspersed interwoven with white history because nobody's history occurs in a vacuum it is interwoven Mm -hmm. and i would love to see the day when a black history month was no longer needed right when we actually shared history the way it was made. It was made in a woven, Mm -hmm. uh, and that's how the story should be told. But the makers of our history books didn't think so, obviously, so black history is relegated to less than six pages. In most instances, it's less than four.
1: Well, you know what? We're talking about books, and we're talking with uh, Velma Brinkley right here and Jeff Henschel. But we were talking about the the book you were talking about here and and textbooks and things like that 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 are included. But you alone have written seven books, and we're going to talk about some of that when we come back. We're going to take just a quick break, and we'll be right back with more of Sumter County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program heard each and every Sunday right here on WHIN. Or you can listen on our podcast page at whinradio.com. If you'd like to become a sponsor of this program, reach out to me, Jeff Shannon, at jeff at whinradio.com. Here we are this Sunday morning, back with Summer County Spotlight, your host, Jeff Shannon. And we're going to continue our incredible conversation with Velma Brinkley. Now, anybody in Gallatin knows about Velma and, and you know how she really loves to help people, and whether it's a lesson in finance or life skills, history. She's a retired Summer County teacher, guidance counselor, an author, and has helped countless individuals. And she was recognized, what, last year, right, Jeff? I think she was the Gallatin News named Brinkley uh, as 2022 Citizen of the Year.
3: This year. This that, year. Yeah, that was this well, yes, year. Yes, yeah. this year.
1: <laughs> but and then you were in the Christmas parade this past December, right? Yes. Now did you stand up there and wave? The-
3: <laughs> <laughs> I sat and waved. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
0: this has really been the year of Velma then.
1: It has. Wow. And velma have been has really been quite active. active.
3: Busy. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that Velma is involved in transferring five cemeteries for TVA over to a Gallatin Cemetery. Five cemeteries are being moved wow. and, and you're- be interred elsewhere. And of course, that is a project I chair, that committee. I'm also chairing a new committee that we formed a little less than a year ago, and that is the Union High Museum Board, we have begun making preparation to house a museum in one classroom at Shalom Zone, which is the building that Union High yeah,
1: that's was right. housed in. Right.
3: So at any rate, I am exceedingly busy and of course I chair a ministry at church that I founded 43 years ago, and that is the scholarship ministry, we award about oh between ten and fifteen thousand dollars a year to graduating seniors and existing college students wow. from our congregation. Wow! So the, I, I'm busy, yeah, shall we you say? you are. Let me
0: throw out one more thing you do. You're on the cemetery committee, the oh, the Galton yes. City Cemetery. Yep. And yes. we just met the other day, and we have a project that I wanted to throw out to the community real quick. We had ground-penetrating radar find about 500 unmarked graves in the back of the cemetery wow. back when it was segregated. You That's had a blacks I didn't in know the you back could do of the that. cemetery. Wow! And a number of slave graves are back there. Yes. And we identified about 500. Well, we we for three years have been talking about building a 10 by 10 seated area built of stone and we we sort of have the materials we have public works to put it together but i would put out a call to the community if you're a contractor or you're somebody who knows masonry give the mayor's office in galton a call and i'd love your advice on how we should execute this thing and honor these slave graves and and other black people who are buried there mm-hmm. no markers whatsoever we want to put together a nice little monument for them oh, that'd be great not yeah. below the bank but just want to throw that out there right
3: Kind of on a bench right. some uh, for a memorial garden mm-hmm. so that one can sit, think if he or she chooses to. Right. But I think it's a grand project.
1: Well, I'm sure it's something else you're going to jump aboard about. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Give you, give you something else to do. And Well, look, I mean, you've written... Gosh, over seven books and various different topics, but the uh, that one in two thousand two was uh, generations. I think is that what it was called.
3: That is correct.
1: And tell us about that and what happened with that book.
3: Well, I learned that the state was seeking projects to honor the state's birthday, and of course, uh, Walter Durham was a dear friend of mine. And at the time, he was state historian. And I would always, Pastor Walter, <laughs> as well as John Garrett, they were both my history buddies. Walter encouraged me to make an application to the state to do one of the projects. And of course, I really had always wanted to document African American history in Sumner County because non- had been written. Mm -hmm. I chatted Walter about that. I said, Walter, why don't you write black history? He says, Velma, why don't you do that? (laughs) I said, because I'm not a writer. You're the writer and you're the state historian. You write it. He (laughs) says, no, I have a full-time secretary and you know where my office is located. We are at your disposal. You write it. And I thought, why not me? I may as well give it a shot. So I did. I got the application, submitted it to the state, and lo and behold, it was approved. Then I had to deal with the money, the money issue. Publishing is expensive. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, I have several friends who are bank presidents. I think I shall pull in... (laughs) (laughs) I think I should make a visit. So I did. I went and had a conversation with Eddie Mayberry, who was a dear friend of mine. Actually, Eddie was one of my former students when he was in college. He and his wife, Betty, both. So (laughs) at any rate, I went to Eddie and I talked to another bank president who was a longtime friend of mine, Joe Carson. And I told them what I wanted to do. And I wanted to take out a signature loan to get the book published. I had to make sure I had the money to publish it Mm -hmm. before I wrote it. And then I went to one of my friends, Mary Malone, and explained to her what I really wanted to do and why there was such a need. Nothing had been written about African-Americans in Sumter County at that time. So she said, Velma, I don't know how to write a book. I said, I don't either, but I believe we can figure it out as we go. And I know too many other people who have written and who are willing to help. She She said, you know, I'm still working every day at Beach. I said, yes, but I'm retired. I can work 10 or 12 hours a day. And that's pretty much what we did. Wow. When she would leave Beach High School, she would stop off. My family donated space for us uh, to use. It was a house there on Blythe Street that had the utilities connected. It was still fully furnished. It was my mother and father-in-law's home. And of course, my husband was the executor of their estate. So he chatted with his brothers brother and sisters and they agreed for us to use that as our headquarters and we did (laughs) and in 12 month we had written generations and had a book signing in the same facility and it was such an amazing event for the community and the state
1: recognized this book yes so the
3: book bears the state seal wow and i was so thrilled with that yeah and the book signing it was it made us feel great to have very elderly people saying, what do you do at a book signing? <laughs> I've never been. And of course, Mary and I were not interested in earning or making any money, and we didn't. We were interested in getting the book in the hands of African Americans, mm-hmm. those on very fixed incomes and senior citizens are. So, we decided the lowest amount that we could break even would be the cost for the book. And that was $25 per book. And it's a nice, hardback, large book. Mm. And of course, my publisher was not happy with that. Because he said we were giving it away. Well, that really was the idea, (laughs) was to get it in the hands of the people who needed it, wanted it, and deserved it. So that was our project, and we did... Break even and pay the banks off. Right. Well, it's
1: an exciting thing, and it's it's thing about that it's here forever now. So that'll end up in a museum. You know, we're going to do that. But you know, recently uh, with Black History Month uh, upon us right now, you were able to come up with a, I guess, a series of eleven uh, African American historical markers highlighting local residents. And their accomplishments, which I think is phenomenal, not so much a, a nationwide thing because there's places that do that you, you recognize you know of course Dr. Martin Luther King, you, you know Harriet Tubman, and the list goes on and on, and here at the radio station, we did a whole month you know doing these vignettes, highlighting historic figures. In history, when I saw this come across, I thought, "What a great idea!" And the city of Gallatin's running on it. So, how did you come about? Like, who to select, and what kind of format to use? If they're hanging banners, uh, so tell us a little bit about that.
3: Well, I'll have to be very honest with you. For the past 20 to 25 years, I forgot to tell you, I am a grant writer, and as a grant writer, there's one thing that you know how to do. And that is research. Mm. And of course, so many African-Americans who contributed so much, there's nothing written about them. So I, after my research, I have gone through every newspaper that was ever written or printed in Sumner County. I started with the first and I read up through them all, searching for information about ancestors. And of course, I would naturally, when I would find an article, I would print it. And I did that not only in the local archives. We don't have much Mm -hmm. African-American history, which is why I'm constantly Pushing everything that I can get over to Bonnie at the Sumner County Archives mm-hmm. so that she too will have information. But at any rate, most of my research I did at the Tennessee Archives. Okay. And of course, that's quite a story in itself. <laughs> there are only 13 parking spaces. <laughs> so to, to accommodate the state. Wow. So I learned early on that I had to get there at least 30 to 40 minutes ahead of their opening and get in one of those spaces. And of course, they warned me that if I were to leave to go away for lunch, I would not be able to get that park back Mm -hmm. the remainder of the day. They suggested that I bring my lunch. So that's (laughs) what I did. When I would go to the State Archives for research, I would take my lunch, leave my car in that space all day, and at lunchtime, I would come out, sit on the steps. There were other people sitting out there and have lunch and then go back and research for the rest of the day. So I had a good feel for who the heroes and heroines of Sumner County oh, good. were. I was going to course- ask how
1: you, how you, gosh, with all the them out there, how do you select them? A- yeah, it's like wow! What a great list! I
3: always use uh, help. I get help from other people. For example, with the Tennessee Historical Markers project, I used people at Donnelly. I used the. There was an organization there made up of black and white workers. Who were interested in African American history? Actually, the money for the markers came from the headquarters of R.R. R. Donnelly okay. in Chicago, Illinois.
1: And what were they? Were they flags, or how how were these banners created? Were they like a flag or a sign? What?
3: No, they are huge, heavy, metal.
1: Oh, good. Metal. So you're going to keep those for all time.
3: Oh, they will last forever.
1: Good, oh, for that's le- good. forever. <laughs>
3: And at any rate, they were instrumental in helping me make a decision between any number of people because it doesn't matter what it is you are pursuing, there are so many more people. For example, Jeff and I did Honored 16. It was so hard to decide. <laughs> well, who's and on that course,
1: list? I mean, it's yeah, a huge list, but it's a, a huge of names, list. Yeah.
3: But at any rate, there were at least 40 to 50 people who are equally sure as deserving. One person that we left off, we didn't leave him off. I was not able to get what I needed on that person in a timely manner. At any rate, that was old James Pope, who has been a tremendous asset to Sumner County. He's the type of person who writes checks for $25,000 to donate to Vall State. Nice. He really gives back to the community on an individual basis and a group basis. I was not able to get everything that we needed in a timely manner on him, now, but who, I kept it. that did next we almost year, leave off this
0: year. We had a big debate. Oh. We almost left someone who is on the list, but we had a debate on whether he should be on there or not. The tallest man, tallest black man in, in the world. How could you... Forget? <laughs> Bud Rogan. Bud Rogan. All right, here's the deal.
3: I wanted to... The, I, I did not sure.
0: Velma is an academic, to be certain, and she had chosen people who fit the bill, no question. But Bud Rogan, if if you haven't heard of this fella, he was... The tallest black man in the world. Now there is a t- there is a white man who is taller than he is wow. eight nine. I forget his
3: <laughs> eight nine and a half. Eight
0: nine and a half. Yes. And while his his status his stature, you know, the reason he's Nikon was he's so big. And so uh, yeah, we had to the- <laughs> we had to include him. And I thought Shaquille was- O'Neal was big.
1: Right, that's a that's a big guy. So, I've been next to him, and that's that's
0: huge. So anyway, we we couldn't leave him out because yeah. I think three hundred years from now we'll still. So be So do we do him. we see
1: next year? Hey, I mean, scale. could we add
0: people on to the the plaques? Absolutely. And have, I mean, yep. we we have maybe about thirty five of throughout town okay. of these things, and we have to duplicate these at least twice the ones we have up okay. now. All right. So the idea is we'll add next year which has already been approved by the mayor and and i've begun to write yeah we'll have no duplicates so well
1: listen i know it's so crazy how fast time flies because there's just so much to talk about but we have been talking with velma brinkley a local historian just a great person and we appreciate everything that you do for this community and everybody definitely appreciates what you do and of course jeff henschel the communications director for the city of gallatin I, i hate we have to wrap it up but we're running out of time So, join us again next week for more of Sumner County Spotlight. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.